warning. Sorry, give me a second. I have a lot of stuff. I'm going to figure this out safely. It's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3 today. And we're going to be talking about the prerequisites of prayer. Give me a second. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and read that together this morning. Well, not together. I'll read it. You guys can listen. Uh, 1 John 3, 22 through 24. Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I pray for open hearts this morning. Um, I, I pray that you would... Uh, speak through me this morning and uh, bring your word as we look at um, things that we need to get right in our lives before we come to your throne in prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that it is for us. Thank you for the, the lamp that it is to our feet. Father, I pray that we would cherish these words this morning, uh, that we would hold these things to be true, and that we would make changes necessary in our lives so that we can walk closer with you every day. Uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, none of us would be here if it weren't for your sovereign will and sovereign grace this morning. I ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. So this is going to be part of a, the first part of a two-part series on prayer. Now, this morning is going to be all about what we need to do in our lives before we approach the Lord in prayer. Um, believe it or not, there are things we need to do before we come to God, before we ask God to bring blessings into our lives, there are certain things we need to do. Now, that being said, it is very important for us to note the difference in our initial prayer for salvation. Uh, when a sinner is sincerely seeking the mercy of the Lord, through faith in Christ, God will listen, and God will answer, and God will give that uh, if the Holy Spirit has led you to pray, to come to the cross and find salvation through Jesus Christ, you will find that salvation regardless. So there is, however, a difference for all of us who are here this morning who are already in Christ. Uh, there are prerequisites of prayer that we need to look at. So there are several examples within the Bible. Some of you uh, who have read through may already know this. Um, but there are examples within the Bible that talk about things, uh, conditions to the blessings that God promises and the blessings that God brings to the lives of those who follow him. Uh, I think probably the most obvious example, and we talk about this with the youth group all the time, one of the most obvious examples is Israel wandering the desert. Um, how many times they complain, how many times they don't follow God. Uh, I mean, look at what happens at the foot of Mount Sinai with the people as they choose to worship a calf that somehow popped out of a fire, um, as Aaron said. Uh, for those who don't know, the Israelites were commanded to go and slay 13,000 of their people because of this. Uh, that is a condition. 
right? That, that is one of the things. If, if you choose to follow God, he is going to bring blessings into your life. Now, that being said, there are several other examples. Think of Samson. You remember when he was born? Uh, actually, hold on. I think that I wrote it down here. This is going to be, uh, hopefully this is going to work out. So he took a, when he was born, his parents were told that he's going to be a Nazarite. He shall not, uh, I wrote it down here, drink no wine. Actually, even further than that, he shall drink nothing that has been fermented. Uh, he shall eat nothing unclean, and a razor shall never touch his head. Uh, but further on in his life, we see several times where he breaks this vow, and what does God choose to do? He takes his strength, which was a blessing from God. Um, now, there was redemption at the end of the story, but we need to keep in mind that blessing came because he followed what God told him to do. Uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is one of those ideas that carries through from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. When we choose to follow God, he brings blessings into our lives. There is a condition. That is the condition. So this leads us to our first point. Ben, go ahead. We must come with childlike obedience. Uh, not, not my children, not their kind of obedience, but hopefully your kids listen a little better than mine do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we need to come with childlike obedience. The first thing that we come across in this passage is that we need to be obedient to God, right? Um, I mean, it tells us right at the beginning, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. That tells me right there that when we don't keep his commandments, we don't receive everything we ask of him, right? That, I mean, that makes sense. You just connect those dots. That makes perfect sense. Uh, there are things that we need to be doing in our lives. Being obedient is an incredibly important thing. Uh, so, so here's a good example of this. Um, so I, I have two kids. Most people in this room have children, except for the youth group people and the young children. Uh, if, so, so I, as a parent, it is part of my responsibility as a parent to feed my children. Right, we can all agree with that. I need to feed my kids. Makes sense. You all need to feed your kids. Um, but there comes a point where if my son, you guys know Owen, he's you know, a little crazy kid, but if he wants ice cream, but he's misbehaving all day, he's not getting ice cream. Right? That makes sense. Because he chose to disobey me throughout the day. So I'm not going to give him what he's requesting. Guess what? That's the same relationship we have with God. We don't call him our heavenly father for no reason. When we choose to obey God, he is going to give us ice cream. That's obviously, that's, that's a different, you know, you know what I mean. He's going to listen to our prayers, and he's going to grant us our prayers when we choose to follow him. Uh, what this is saying, really, is that if you are not living a life that is honoring and glorifying to God, you're not going to see him answer your prayers in a way that you want. Um, there, are, there have been times in my own life, uh, I was a rebellious teenager. I didn't do what uh, God wanted me to do. I didn't do what my parents wanted me to do. Um, and bad things in life happen because of those things. God chooses to not bless me because I chose to wander, right? I mean, this is a good example. Something that we've come across time and time again is the parable of the prodigal son. This, is a, this, this really fits here. 
we see the prodigal son choosing to go and dishonor his family, dishonor his parents, go to a faraway land, live a prodigal lifestyle, do things that he wants to do instead of the things that his father would have him do. And what does he do? He spends all of his inheritance, and he ends up eating the same food that pigs would eat, which, by the way, for those who don't know, contextually speaking, for an Israelite, that's not good. You don't want to eat the same thing that a pig is eating because that's an unclean animal. So he comes back, and God, the father, you know, the father in the story is God, grants him forgiveness. But uh, when he comes back and chooses to follow his father's ways, he's blessed with a robe, remember the robe, and the ring, the signet ring for the family. That's a blessing from the father. That means that all of his inheritance has been restored for him. The same thing happens with us. When we choose to be disobedient, um, God's not going to grant us our prayers. And that actually brings us to our second point this morning. Uh, sorry, I guess that's point A. Um, Judges 10, 13 through 14 tells us, Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in your time of distress. Uh, this is not something that you want to hear from God, right? I mean, when we choose things other than God, and this is going to lead me to a pretty big point this morning that, that I, I don't want to make anybody mad at me, but this is something that I think we all, including myself, need to hear. Um, what are we choosing in our lives? What are we about? Are we about God in every aspect of our lives, right? Uh, the Bible's pretty clear. If, if we want to honor God with our lives, we need to go out into the world and bear his name in a way that's worthy of him, right? I mean, you know, one of, the, one of the Ten Commandments, do not take the Lord's name in vain. That actually translates to do not bear the Lord's name in vain. Um, a lot of people say that means don't say certain things, but that actually means don't live a certain way. If I'm claiming to be a Christian and I'm going out into the world and choosing to live a life otherwise that doesn't look like somebody who's a follower of Christ, that is bearing the Lord's name in vain. I can't count how many times I'm on Facebook and I see old friends who claim to be Christians and they're not living that way. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's bearing the Lord's name in vain. That's what we need to be against. We need to recognize that God wants us to live a certain way not just on Sunday mornings when we're here together at Oakwood Bible Church, but when we're walking through the world in our lives every day. Uh, I might not see you. Pastor Brad might not see you. Your parents might not see you. Uh, but God sees you. God knows what you're doing. God knows what you're about. You need to be aware of that in your lives. Um, now again, this has been made clear when we look at the lives of the Israelites when they choose themselves. Uh, you know, if you read through the book of Judges, when we were doing, we were going through the gospel project with the students a couple years back, and this is something that just keeps popping up. Every time a new prophet or a new judge or a new king comes up in the book of Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st uh, and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, where we're actually not 1st and 2nd Chronicles, that one kind of tries to paint Israel in a good light because it was when they were in the wilderness or in captivity. But uh, we, we see time and time again that it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, right? And what do we see God do because of that? I, I have a good example here. Judges 10.6. This isn't going to be on the screen. I apologize. 
Judges 10.6 says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreths and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, and the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. Now, by the way, the, what happens this time is God chooses to deliver them into the hands of their enemies, and they were swiftly crushed. These are the things that we need to remember in our own lives, right? Um, where are we going to be on Sunday morning? Uh, are we going to be out golfing? That one's for myself, not for any of you. Uh, are we going to be, where are we going to be Super Bowl Sunday? Are we going to come to church? Or are we going to be rooting on the Lions? That's, that's a question that, uh, that we need to be asking ourselves. The idea is, is that we need to put God first in our lives. We need to be obedient to the things that God has commanded us to be about. Uh, and by the way, if you're not sure what those things are, look, go, go ahead and look in the pew rack in front of you. Not for a community card this time. There's actually a Bible there. If you go ahead and read that, it's filled with the things that God wants you to be doing in your lives. Filled. Cover to cover. I know, Noah, isn't that crazy? It's all in there. Uh, so go ahead and, and give that a read. Um, several of the uh, men here in the church are going to be doing a reading through the Bible in a year uh, thing with Pastor Brad this, this year. It's going to be fun. But these are things we're going to come across. And, and I, I've told the youth group this several times. There are going to be times where when you're reading through the Bible, you're going to find things you don't like. Um, I can promise you this. In those instances, you're the problem, not God. God's got it right. We don't have it right. So we need to be the ones who change. When we come across something where we're like, oh, I don't think I like that, I need to be the person who makes the changes in my life so that I'm following the blueprint that God has set forth for me. And the same goes for each and every one of us here this morning. <clears throat> so again, when we think of serving other gods and idols, we, we tend to think of ancient times, right? We tend to think of, you know, the, the nation of Israel under King Ahab following the prophets of Baal with his wife, um, um, Jezebel. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate that. Good call. Jezebel. And, and uh, but, but, you know, then we see, you know, Elijah and the fire from heaven. It's great stuff. You should read it. Uh, but when we think of these things, we tend to think of ancient times, you know, idolatry, all that stuff. We don't think of our lives today. But I, I, would, I would encourage you to take a look at the things that you are spending the most time on. You know, when Jared was here with the youth group, he, he taught Sunday school one Sunday morning. And he encouraged all the students to take out your phones. If you have an iPhone, don't do it right now because we're busy right now. But if you have an iPhone later today, something that pops up every Sunday morning on these things, it'll give you your screen time. How much time are you spending on your phone every week? Uh, some of us were pretty embarrassed when we pulled those out in, during Sunday school that Sunday, uh, myself included. Um, I'm not perfect, it turns out. Far from it. Uh, but... When we see where we're spending our most amount of time, it really will we'll really come to realize what we should be doing, the changes that we need to make. That's a good uh, eye-opener that pops up every Sunday morning. You spent six hours on your phone this, this week per, per day. That's not good. Uh, so we need, to be, we need to be thinking about these things because idolatry isn't just a little stone idol on the shelf. It's not just... A, a golden calf. It's, it's Facebook. It's Instagram. 
It's football. It's, it can be music. It can be Taylor Swift. It can be the Detroit Lions, the Pistons, the Tigers. I don't know. Pick your team. Insert the thing that you are a super fan of, and more than likely in your life, that could be an idol that you're putting before God. Are you praying to him as often as you're checking the score, checking the standings for the season? These are things that we need to keep in mind. We need to be obedient. We need to put God first. Which leads me to the second point, if I can unlock this thing. God will hear us and he will answer us when we walk in his ways. Uh, this is Psalm 81, 13 through 16. It tells us, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat and with the honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Again, this is one of those things that we run across so many times when we're going through the Bible. Um, the interesting thing is that God will raise up enemies, seemingly blessing our enemies to punish us for straying. Uh, we see this throughout the Bible. I mean, look at, look at, uh, look at let's think, Israel, the, the nation of Israel and the, king, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. You know, two different points in their history, they're taken into, into captivity. Well, if God is all sovereign, which he is, we know that he is because the Bible tells us he is. God is all sovereign, meaning God has full control of those nations, which means he brought power to those nations to then punish Israel through those nations. God has the power to do that. He will hear and answer us when we're walking in his ways. There's, a, there's an interesting passage in, in Isaiah. It's not going to be on the screen again. Sometimes I think of things and I just say them. I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. Uh, there's a passage in Isaiah that talks about the nation of Israel bringing sacrifices and worship to God, but it's empty. It's empty worship. It's just, they're just doing it because they're going to church every Sunday and just doing it because it's the thing to do. It's what they were brought up doing, and they're going to do it. But it's empty, and God says that it's like garbage before him, essentially. That's a paraphrase. Uh, that's not how we want our worship to be, right, this morning when we're, when we're bringing praise to God for the amazing things that he's done in our lives. You, just so you guys know, you didn't have to wake up this morning. None of us had to be here. None of us had to survive the drive-in. It is by God's sovereign hand that each and every one of us is here this morning. And I want to submit to you, you are here for a reason. God wanted you to hear this this morning. Um, There are certain things within the Bible that we read that we can come across that can be difficult to see when it comes to not getting answers to prayers, right? I mean, we, when we think of the nation of Israel, that is not something that we want ever to happen with us. We want to come to God with the right heart. Uh, there's a certain song, so there's actually an awesome story about a, a uh, Christian recording artist from Great Britain. He, he became really popular back in the 80s, and it attracted people to the church, to his church. And uh, he, the, the church, they, they started questioning why people were coming. Were they coming for the show? Were they coming for this, this big recording artist who was their worship director at their church? 
or were they coming to worship the God who created everything, the God who is all-powerful, the God who woke them up this morning, the God who got them to church safely? So they shut their doors for a few years. And when they came back, this artist wrote a song. And you know it today. It's called The Heart of Worship. And, you know, if you know the song, it's all about, we really need to understand what we're doing here. None of this, none of you are here for you, hopefully. None of you are here for me. You shouldn't be. Uh, you guys should all be here because Christ died on the cross for you. God took your place so that you could live in a relationship with him. That's, that is what we need to be about today. That is why we are here, to worship the God who did that for each and every one of us. It's a massive thing, and I hope it's not missed on you today. God will hear us and answer us when we walk in his ways. So are you walking in his ways this morning? That, that might be a loaded question for some of us, right? Because obviously we sin. We're human by nature. You know, we're, or sorry, we're sinful by nature because we're human. Um, the beauty of it is that we have forgiveness through Christ. But that, that forgiveness comes from the next point. We must come with childlike trust. This all has to do with putting our faith in Christ. So when we look back at the, uh, at the main passage for today, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. That's the obedience. And we do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the Son, or sorry, in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. So obedient, be obedient, and believe. We need to put our faith in Christ. We need to trust him that he made this sacrifice for us. We need to trust and understand that there is nothing that we can do on our own to bring us closer to God. Nothing. We're human. We are incapable of taking the first steps to bring ourselves to God. God moves first every time. We need to put our faith in that. We need to understand that we live sinful lives and that we can't do anything about it. And the only person who can do anything about it is Jesus Christ. We need to have childlike trust. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a tickle in my throat. Give me a second. We need to believe regardless of how he answers our prayers. This is a tough one. This is a difficult one to grasp sometimes for us, right? Because we pray for things. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned this a thousand times. I'm going to mention it a million more uh, because it's something huge that God's done in my life, and he deserves the glory for it. But my son, you all know he had epilepsy when he was younger. Um, I'm not a doctor. I don't. I mean, technically, I guess maybe he still has epilepsy. He just doesn't have seizures anymore. But Sky and I prayed so hard for years that God would bring healing and there are times where that stuff doesn't happen in our time, right? The healing doesn't come on our timetable. We have a very narrow perspective on things. We have a very finite point of view on, on, on our lives. God has the, the whole view. It's, it's pretty cool to think about. Don't think about it too hard, though, because it will wrinkle your brain. Uh, but God is in full control. When we pray, God is bringing the answers to our prayers. Sometimes it doesn't come in our time. If, if I had my way, 
the second that we recognized that my son was having seizures, they would have stopped like that. But through the trials and the difficulties that my wife and I went through with my son, some of you can relate to this. Some of you have kids who've had illnesses in their lives. Some of you have grandkids. Some of you have spouses. Sometimes the healing doesn't come. But we need to have faith that God is bringing that healing. And guys, unfortunately, sometimes the answer is no. Unfortunately for us. But we need to have the understanding that God does know best, right? If God has a grand scheme, if he, if he, if he has a wide view of everything in our lives, right, we can only see one, one point. God can see the entire timeline. Uh, again, this is some pretty deep stuff, but it's fun to get into when you get into it. Uh, we need to understand that God knows what he's doing. There's a reason that you didn't get that Ferrari that you've been praying for. Turns out I wouldn't have been a responsible driver if I had one. So that's why I don't have one. God's protecting me. Uh, there's a reason you didn't get that job. Maybe there's a reason you got fired from that job. God has an interesting way of dealing with us, and God has an interesting way of bringing blessings in our lives. It doesn't always come the way we think. We need to have faith. Why? Because God has been faithful to bring blessings in our lives. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've been a, someone in our life group graciously used the term brat when I was a kid, which is fine because I think that fits. I was kind of a bratty kid. Uh, but God, God is faithful to bring blessings when you follow him. As I'm standing up here before you today. Uh, this is not where I thought I'd be today, and here I am. It's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome, honestly. But God is awesome. He can do huge things in our lives. Um, <clears throat> but there are things in my life that have happened that I don't like. There are choices that I've made that I don't like. Uh, there are prayers that I've prayed that I didn't get answers to right away, and I don't understand why. But through time... God brings those answers, right? Through, through Owen's seizures and through the difficulties that my wife and I faced through those things, uh, we got closer together, right? My wife and I are closer than we've ever been. And through getting closer together, we drew closer to God. And through drawing closer to God, he called me into ministry. And through calling me into ministry, I have the opportunity to be a youth pastor over a bunch of awesome kids um, who, by the way, have an overnight tonight here at the church, so pray for us. They're awesome, but, you know, it's going to be a long night. Uh, so, again, please pray for us. It should be fun, though. Uh, but as I'm saying, God doesn't always bring answers to our prayers in our time. Uh, point B, when we do not ask in faith, we cannot expect to be heard, right? You can't just throw prayers at him willy-nilly. That's not how this works. You have, to, you have to trust him. James 1, 5 through 7 says, if any, of you ask, or, sorry, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So how are you coming to God in prayer? 
Are you just doing it because it's a habit? When I was a kid, I, had this, I prayed the same thing every single night. I had a friend who had terrible nightmares. And I had myself who had, I had night terrors when I was a kid. Um, it was awful. My parents can probably remember. I'd wake up screaming. I'd wake up walking around the house screaming. It was terrible. It was awful. So I prayed the same thing every night. Oh, dear Lord, please help it so my friend and I don't have nightmares tonight. Amen. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that I was praying with faith. I think maybe I was praying out of habit. Um, by the way, the nightmares continued. We need to come to God with faith that can move mountains, right? Uh, there's a famous quote, apparently not famous enough for me to remember who said it. But there's a famous quote that says, the world is yet to see what can be done through a man who has had, I'm probably going to botch this. Someone out here probably knows it. But, uh, the world is yet to see what can be done through a man who fully relies on God or something along those lines. Someone who fully has faith in God, 100%, right? Uh, God, the Bible tells us faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. I've, you know, I love all of you. I've never seen any of you move a mountain. I've never moved a mountain. Uh, which the sad truth behind that is maybe my faith isn't big enough. Maybe I don't have enough trust in God. I can say that when I come to his throne, when I know, when I trust that he has forgiven me for my sins, when I trust and I know that God is a God who has done so many things in my life and in the lives of the people that are around me, when I see that, when I see God work, I can come to his throne with full faith and full trust that he is capable to bring the things that I'm asking for. To bring the healing for my son. To bring the healing to my parents' marriage. These are things that I've seen happen. That's why I can be faithful. Or that's, sorry, that's why I can be, trust, be trusting in God's faithfulness. Because I've seen it. And I know each and every one of you has a story. I know you all do. I know you've seen these things happen in your own lives. So when you start to question things, I challenge you to just remember those things. Remember the things that God's done for you. Remember Jesus. Remember his sacrifice on the cross for you. Remember that he died after living a perfect life so that you can have his righteousness and walk with God. It's a beautiful truth, guys. I'm so happy that this is a thing that we get to be about and that we get to follow and that we get to love. And I, I just pray that each and every one of you would have full faith in God that he's going to bring answers to your prayers when you're living for him. <clears throat> that brings us to our third point. There are no subpoints for this. I apologize. This one's loaded. So we must come with childlike love. This is one I think that we struggle with maybe the most in our lives today. Unfortunately, it's, it's a sad thing. You know, we, we love our families. We love the people within this room. Uh, I challenge you to think of this, though. Your neighbor, those aren't just the people in this room. Uh, I, so when I was in my first year at Moody Bible Institute, I took a class on uh, the New Testament. It's actually the worst grade I've gotten in college so far. Well, sorry, this time around. First time around, I got some pretty bad grades. This one was an A-. minus. Uh, you know, not to toot my own horn enjoying it, and it's, it's fun, so I'm doing well. But anyway, 
So I did an assignment, and it was about, uh, I got to choose a parable, and I had to write an essay on it. Actually, it was a video essay. That was kind of fun. So the parable that I chose was the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I've had the blessing of teaching this to Joy Group and, and to the youth group. It's a, it's a really fun parable to break apart. But one of the uh, sources that I cited for the essay was a sermon by John MacArthur. He actually has a whole book on it. It's pretty cool. Uh, the idea is, who, who is your neighbor? Um, you know, the, the parable of the, of the good Samaritan is all about, uh, you know, this guy, he, he gets mugged and left for dead on the side of the road, uh, on the path to Jericho, which is a dangerous path even today, it turns out. And a Levite comes and he sees him. He's like, oh, well, no, can't get dirty today. Because if you understand Levitical law, there's a huge amount of things that you have to do to cleanse yourself after touching a dead body. And to them, this is a dead body. Priest, same thing. Samaritan. Samaritan comes by and he says, oh, this guy's in trouble. I need to help him. Now, now again, there's a really important piece. We need to understand the context of Scripture to understand what's going on when we read it. The context of this is if you understand the history between the Samaritans and the Israelites, Samaritans were considered as filth. Uh, the word that John MacArthur uses half-breeds. So Samaritans, when the Israelites were taken into captivity, there were people who stayed behind, and they inter interwed with the, uh, the people who were brought in from the Babylonian and the Syrian, Assyrian empires. And these people interbred and had kids, and, and then their, their bloodline, in the eyes of the Israelites, was muddied. And they hated them for it. So they, that's why, you know, the word half-breed was used. I don't really like that term, but that's what they were called. They hated each other to the point where when the Israelites came back and they started building their temple, rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, the Samaritans came in and they hated them so much that they threw a pig in the temple, a dead pig. By the way, to Israelites, pigs are very, very unclean to this day. Uh, so what they have to do, they had to get it out of there, and then they had to do all of these sacrifices and these cleansing ceremonies to clean the area before they could rebuild. The Samaritans and the Israelites hated each other, yet Jesus goes out of his way specifically saying that a Samaritan, a person that you all hate, went out of his way to help this Jewish man. Which begs the question, who is our neighbor? Right? That's, that is the question that was asked by the lawyer early on in the, in the parable. Who is my neighbor? Turns out it's not just the people in this room. It is everybody in the world. Uh, and again, when we understand the context, we have, um, there have been some archaeologists who dug up some, a sign for an inn in the Roman Empire days. And it says how much it cost for one night in an inn. And it's like, a, like an eighth or a tenth of a denarii. Denarii is a day's wages. And the account tells us that the Samaritan brought this dying man to the inn and gave him over a month's worth of money to cover that long of a stay for the Samaritan. <clears throat> the challenge today is understanding what kind of love that is that, this, that the, 
the Samaritan, this person who normally, in, under normal circumstances, would hate this Israelite. And he loved him in such an incredibly lavish sort of love that he paid for over a month's worth of, of a stay and told the innkeeper, if it costs any more, I'll give you more. That's the kind of love we're called to have for people. This, this love, it's, it's not just, I love my wife and my brother-in-law and my students. It's, I go down the road and I love every single person I come into contact with. Even those who hate me. Uh, that's a, that can be a tough one, but there's a certain kind of love that Jesus shows us, right? Um, last week we read a passage in Philippians that talks about, you all know that, actually Tim prayed it, it was pretty awesome, and then, and then we, we were preaching it, it was great. But there's a passage in Philippians that talks about Jesus taking off, you know, not being held in the form of God, but taking the form of a bondservant. Uh, and then we go on and we see the way that Jesus loved. And I mentioned last week sandals and dirt and dirty feet. And how, actually, believe it or not, for an Israelite to wash up for dinner, all they had to do was clean their feet and their hands and they were considered clean. That's how dirty they were. Their feet, sorry, specifically their feet. Um, this, is, this is a task, this is a job that... Israelites would not do for other Israelites. It was something that they, they set aside for Gentiles to do because it was considered so unclean. And what do we see Jesus do? He takes their shoes off and he washes their feet. Uh, one of the, when I was younger, very young, uh, Pastor Glenn Wood, actually Mark Galler probably did this too, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he's nodding, so yeah. Uh, I, I may have been in seventh grade and I don't, I don't envy them for doing this. We came into youth group, and they had us all take our shoes off, and they washed our feet uh, as they were teaching this, this lesson during youth group. That's, some of you have teenagers, right? In sports, maybe? Ooh. Mark, you're a better man than I am. <laughs> That's the kind of love that Jesus commands us to have. Because what does he say at the end of that? He says, go and do likewise. Go and do the dirty jobs. Go and love people so much that you're willing to do the things that nobody else in society wants to do for them. This is the kind of love that we have to have when we want God to answer our prayers. Again, Again, these are the prerequisites of prayer. These are the things that God has told us to do. Uh, sorry, I missed this verse. This is the commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. Right? This is, this is I, I had a verse written down for some reason. It's not anymore. Um, but the verse is when Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Uh, in other words, this is how they will know that you are abiding in me, in God, if you love one another. 
this is how we know that he abides in us by the spirit he's given us. God's, God's done his part. He sent the spirit at Pentecost. The spirit lives within each and every one of us. The spirit is the one who encourages us to make that initial prayer that I mentioned earlier, to come to the throne room of God, to get down on our knees and to pray for forgiveness of our sins. That's the role of the spirit. Now it's our job to live a life that's obedient, to follow God in everything that he has told us to do, to love each other, to trust in him, to trust that when we are obedient, when we are loving everybody, then he will bring the answers to our prayers. So, these are the things that we need to do in our lives. We need to come to the Lord. We need to live our lives in childlike obedience. We need to live our lives with childlike trust towards God. And we need to live our lives with childlike love. Uh, I... I'm not a perfect father. <laughs> uh, there are times where I make the wrong decision with my children. Um, my temper maybe can be a little small sometimes, and I switch flips and I yell at my kids, and they still come to me and hug me and call me daddy. I don't deserve that. That's childlike love. That's how we need to love God. That's how we need to love everybody. It's difficult. Trust me. It is not easy. That passage in 1 Corinthians that talks about loving, you know, it's the one that everyone reads at weddings. I know that we read those at weddings when it talks about how a husband and a wife should love each other. That's not just about husbands and wives, people. That's about how you love everybody. Love is patient. Ooh, I'm not very patient sometimes. Love is kind. I can, I can be downright nasty sometimes. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. I can be boastful, unfortunately. I'm working on it, but I can be. I just did it earlier talking about my grades. <laughs> God deserves the glory for that, by the way. That's not me. Um, but that kind of love, that's not just between my, my wife, Sky and I. That's not, I, I need to be loving Emily like that. I need to be loving Noah like that. I need to be loving Wendy like that. It's everybody I come into contact with. That is the kind of love that we need to have for people. That is childlike love. When we're living our lives like this and we bring our requests to God, he's going to answer them. Now, there is, there is something to be said of those prayer requests. Do they follow God's will, right? Are they, are they requests that we could see God answering? I'm not, I'm not going out and going, God, I really want the Lions to win. I don't think he cares about that. I'm not going to mention the game last night. I'm so heartbroken. But uh, We need to make sure that the requests we're bringing to God are following his will for our lives, are, are things that, that God would want for us, right? That Ferrari I was talking about earlier, I don't think God wants me to have one of those. I'd be going all, I'd, it wouldn't be good. I mean, I, my parents used to have a, uh, a Yukon XL and 8,100-liter V8. Eight, sorry, 8.1-liter V8. That would have been 8,100. That'd be nuts. 8.1-liter V8. And I remember I was, I was on a date with my wife here, 
And this was just with a big old truck. This wasn't even with a Ferrari. And I was on Westage in front of Chili's at the uh, stoplight there. And a yellow Lamborghini pulled up next to me. And I raced it. <laughs> I had it too, but, you know, it's a Lamborghini. That's why God doesn't give me a Ferrari. It wouldn't follow his will for my life. But God, I, I prayed for a, a wife who was about God and who loved God and who could bring me closer to God. And look what he gave me. I prayed for kids who would love me and call me dad. And look what he gave me. I prayed for a church family and students who would honor God with their lives. And look what he gave me. Choose to follow him who bring blessings. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing day, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that I have this morning. Thank you for these students. Lord, thank you for their heart to serve here at Oakwood Bible Church. Whether it's greeting, whether it's ushering, whether it's running the slides, running the sound, playing music this morning, Lord, we're so blessed. Thank you for their heart for ministry. Thank you for their heart for you, Lord. I pray that it's not missed on us this morning. And we need to be following you with our lives. Lord, I pray that we would grow closer to you every single day, that, that before we bring our requests to you, we would take a good look at ourselves and check how we're living. Are we living a life for you? Are we being obedient? Are we trusting that you can make these things happen? Are we trusting that you can bring blessings in our lives? Are we loving the people that we come across every single day? Not just those closest to us, but everybody. Lord, it's then and only then that you'll bring blessings in our lives, Lord. Blessings that, quite frankly, none of us deserve. But you're gracious. You bring mercy. I'm so thankful, Lord. I pray that as we leave here today, we would be blessed by you, that we would be safe. We'd come back together next week to spend time in fellowship with our awesome Pastor Brad as he comes back to preach your word. Something that I, I know that he misses so dearly. We miss him. We miss having him here, Lord. So thank you for bringing healing to him. Thank you for being faithful in that. We love you, God. Thank you again. I ask these things in your son's name. Amen.